and welcome to episode number 160 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Join each and every week here by Brett Colson. But Brett, we have a new addition not only to the podcast, but to your team. And I am very excited to have him on board. We are growing over here at The Lines and Katina Media. We have now a new managing editor of TheLines.com, Stephen Andrus. Say hello. Introduce yourself, man. Hey, uh, Matt. Hey, Brett. Excited to join you guys. Excited to join The Lines and Katina Media. Um, So I'm a Philadelphia native, uh, Phillies fan, Flyers, Sixers. My friends give me uh, some grief because I'm not an Eagles fan, so... Uh, we'll be talking about the Eagles here shortly, I bet. But very excited to join the team. Very excited to join a, a great roster of sports betting talent, and um, you know, just excited to to work with you guys and and start uh, bringing some entertainment and some some sports betting advice and and sharp picks here for our for our listeners and our viewers. Man, we are uh, we are certainly excited as well, and we uh, we got a ton of stuff going on over at the line. So be sure if you're, if you're not heading over there regularly, definitely do that. Head over to the YouTube channel as well. We've been, uh, we have uh, awesome NBA videos going up every single day. Got in the top shot streets over there as well. Everybody eating up the top shot content as well. So be sure and subscribe over there. That is actually backslash play picks. We're going to try, we're trying to get that switch to the lines, but as of right now, it's still backslash play picks over there on YouTube. If you want to follow us on Twitter at Matt Brown, M2 at Brett Colson at Stephen Andrus, the number one, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, go in, subscribe, rate and review. You know how to do all of that. So we're going to talk some MLB stuff here on the pod. We're going to talk some futures numbers. Of course, we're going to talk the NBA trade deadline. We'll talk sweet 16, but right before we got ready to start recording this, Madness went on in the NFL blockbuster trade, not just one, two different trades going down in the NFL, which have really shaken things up here. We could probably spend the entire hour just talking about this, but we'll move on as fast as we can. First and foremost, what came down, we were looking at the Dolphins trading away the number three pick to the San Francisco 49ers for the number 12 pick a 2021 third round pick and first round picks in 2022 and 2023. So yes, if you are drawing the the lines here and connecting the dots, you understand that that means the 49ers have their eye on a quarterback and it will be the end of the tenure there for Jimmy G in San Francisco. Then shortly thereafter, we were actually talking amongst ourselves on, on, on Slack, and we were saying, "Well, this must uh, this must mean that the Dolphins are, are good with Will Fuller kind of being the wide receiver one there." It didn't take long for them to actually trade back up into the first round. They traded for the sixth pick with the Eagles, so uh, they go up to number six. The Eagles down to number twelve, and their uh, 2022 first round pick as well. They swapped mid round picks, uh, 156 for 123. So now you're updated. Top 12, Jaguars, Jets, 49ers, Falcons, Bengals, Dolphins at six, Lions, Panthers, Broncos, Cowboys, Giants, and now Eagles at 12. So, Stephen, let's start with you here on this, break you into the old podcast, but uh, let's start with the very first thing here, and that is the 49ers going ahead and going up and moving into that number three spot. Listen, there has been tons of speculation that they were not happy with Jimmy Garoppolo, that they've been looking around and shopping him and deciding on all of the different options that were available out there. Didn't see anything apparently that they liked in free agency that they wanted to move on. And so look, it looks like they're going to start anew with a rookie quarterback. It seems to me that it would be Justin Fields, right? Um, It's, it's the consensus at this point is Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson one, two, um, and by the way, you picked the right day to have me on for the first time because I'm a, a, a big 49ers fan and I live in Philadelphia. So, man, a lot of action going on between these two teams today. But, I mean, here's the thing. If, if Kyle Shanahan believes in a quarterback in this draft, that's enough for me. I mean, he is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. If it does happen to be Justin Fields, great. Um, and they can develop him and they'll use Jimmy Garoppolo almost like an Alex Smith 2.0 during the Jim Harbaugh era. 
uh, have him maybe, uh, you know, start for one more year, be the placeholder until the rookie is ready. Um, but from a betting perspective, this certainly doesn't really excite me to take 49ers futures this year. I mean, we started the beginning of this offseason with the 49ers, you know, maybe going uh, maybe going big with a veteran quarterback, maybe trying to get Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford, and neither of those worked out. Um, and they are still priced as the seventh choice in, in Super Bowl futures. So uh, I think it's a, a, a very exciting move long term for San Francisco. But uh, as far as Super Bowl prospects for 2021, I think it it throws a little water onto that. Brett, this all but assures that there's going to be five quarterbacks taken in the first round. And there is a bet over at DraftKings currently where you can take the total number of quarterbacks in round one over four and a half. Now, that has as uh, as this has been solidified here, it has moved to the juice of minus a thousand. But depending on your bankroll. Free money is free money, and there is going. There are definitely going to be five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Whenever we look at how this is all breaking down, so again, if you're if you have access to if you have access to DraftKings in your jurisdiction, and also if you have the bankroll to support it, it's not like you have to lock this money up for all that long. The draft is coming up fairly soon here, so again, th- that is that is free money. There's going to be five quarterbacks taken in the first round. I mean, there's a pretty good chance now. I think you're going to see four quarterbacks taken in the first four picks, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if Atlanta goes quarterback, an interesting tweet here from Dane Brugler from The Athletic, who we've had on uh, the past couple of years to talk about NFL draft. He's, he thinks Shanahan traded up for Trey Lance, that his guy is Trey Lance, which interesting. is interesting. You know, the cost of acquisition there is wow. a lot, considering you could probably just wait and see what happens with the Falcons at four. And if, if I don't know, that... If, if Lance is his guy, I guess it makes sense because you're guaranteed to get him at three, but it seems like you could probably pay less to get him later on. But uh, there does not seem to be a consensus number two uh, in this draft, and that's what makes this so much fun. It's a lot of guesswork, a lot of speculation, and teams are taking huge risks like this on the future of their franchise, so Shanahan better get it right. Yeah, I mean, there's another there's another draft, you know, uh, prop over at and and look, this this trade kind of came out of nowhere. So maybe you are a little bit worried about making something like this, but it seems as if they probably would have rattled the Jets cage first before going ahead and deciding to do this deal with the Dolphins. And so, you know, trying to if I come to that conclusion, there's also the second overall pick that is available. And Zach Wilson's only minus 250 at DraftKings as well right now. Um, it, again, I would assume the 49ers would have tried to get this deal done with the Jets first so that they had their pick of which quarterback that they wanted. But um I, I'm just assuming that I'm sure we'll get we'll get word on that. But again, if we get word on that, then there's the odds on Zach Wilson going number two at minus 250 may or may not be there anymore. So, Stephen, just as we look to kind of, you know, take advantage of these numbers and us connecting the dots here and, and trying to take advantage of the markets that are available out there again, Zach Wilson at minus 250. I understand you need a little bit of a bankroll to, to do all this stuff and lock up this money for for a little bit. But uh, I, I I have a hard time imagining him not going second overall now at this point no absolutely and and maybe shedding a little bit more light on that is Ian Rappaport tweeting that the Eagles were potentially interested in moving up to number three before the 49ers did but would only do it if it was for Zach Wilson so the fact that they did not move up to number three tells me at least a little bit that Zach Wilson would not have been there at number three so uh, as you mentioned, pretty heavy juice on that, but um, you, we're kind of connecting the dots right now about a month out from the draft. And you know, I'm having a hard time seeing any other situation where Zach Wilson is not the second pick in this draft. Now, whether it's the Jets or somebody else gives the Jets a haul that they like to, to make that trade um, and they move forward with Sam Darnold and a, and a treasure chest full of picks is still to be seen. But Um, regardless of what team picks there, I think it's pretty clear that Zach Wilson, I would be shocked at this point if Zach Wilson slips past number two. And by the way, uh, looking at DraftKings right now, Trey Lance special, minus 125 to go to the 49ers. Wow. Ah. 
Wow. That just happened. So look at that. Yeah. So these are going to pop up as well. So definitely something that we're going to we'll we'll dig into a lot more as this stuff shakes out over the next week and next and and we come to you guys next week. We'll have some some real deep thoughts on this. But, you know, Brett, you and I've talked about this before that it, it certainly does it is bankroll dependent. And so, you know, we sit here and say, Hey, look, you know, you're going to have to risk a thousand, you know, you're going to have to risk a thousand dollars to, to win a hundred on the over four and a half. And you're going to have to risk $250 to, to win a hundred on the, the, you know, Zach Wilson at second overall. But, you know, if your bankroll allows, I know guys, you know, guys or whatever, who are super successful sports betters that, Take the free money and we we call it free money. Yes, freak things could happen here, I suppose. I mean, something crazy could happen and, you know, Zach Wilson not go second overall, but I I doubt it. And then I definitely doubt that there's not going to be five quarterbacks taken in the first round. So, I mean, you know, taking the money where the sports books are going to give it to you can can certainly be a, a, a way to to get ahead here. Yeah, value is value. And as long as you do have the money yeah. to put up front, don't go to your, you know, don't put a credit card down. Right. <laughs> this kind right. of bet. <laughs> but yeah, and look, it's only a month away. You're not locking your money up for an entire season or like the through the end of the NFL season. So it's it's not it's not that long. But yeah, I mean, look, if if you see value here, uh, go for it. Matt, one other option I would tell people to keep an eye out for that I had success with in past drafts is eventually these books should offer betting options where you pick the first three picks in exact order. Um, and at some point it becomes very clear who those picks are going to be with all the reporting yeah. that goes on in the NFL. And you're maybe not laying as much juice as you would on minus 250 on Zach Wilson to go number two. So uh, there's was a couple of years ago where, you know, it was abundantly clear who the first three picks were going to be. And I was still able to get, you know, plus 200 on that. So, I mean, the risk, you know, did not outweigh the reward in that situation. So that's that's one other option to maybe keep an eye out for here if it's offered in the uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, well, that's awesome advice. And we're certainly going to be, you know, all over the draft as well. So in any of these things that we see shake out here over the next couple of weeks, we'll be sure and bring it to you guys here on the pod as well. A story we thought we were going to lead with today was the NBA trade deadline. I had no idea that the NFL was going to go wacky on us here, but the NBA trade trade deadline has come and gone. Uh, Victor Oladipo goes to the Heat. Aaron Gordon goes to the Nuggets. Rajon Rondo goes to the Clippers for Lou Williams, who heads to the Hawks. Evan Fournier heads to the Celtics. They freed Vooch. Vooch heads to the Bulls. Thank goodness the guy was showing up every single night for a bad team. LaMarcus Aldridge got bought out. There is rumors he might head down to Miami, head to the Heat. And then Andre Drummond, just before we got on this uh, podcast as well, agreed to a buyout. So he is going to end up elsewhere as well. Now, Brett, we look and the real big movers here in this because of the trade deadline were the Nuggets in the Heat, the Nuggets with their acquisition again of Aaron Gordon, the Heat with their acquisition of Victor Oladipo and look it looks like, you know, the a lot of reading of tea leaves here that LaMarcus Aldridge might end up down there as well. The the Nuggets drop big time. They go from about, you know, mid 30s to mid 20s, depending on the book that you're looking at. The Heat kind of do about the same thing as far as futures markets with all that. Not a ton of movement for these other teams as well. The 48 move didn't really affect the Celtics all that much. And of course, the Bulls are so far out that, yeah, there was a little bit of movement there. But you're talking about like, you know, hundreds still as far as them getting to the um, getting to the championship and winning it all. So it's really the Nuggets in heat here. And I'm almost wondering if it was almost almost too much movement on both of these teams. Yeah, obviously the the two big winners there. I, I like I like what Denver did here. I mean, there, there is a window of opportunity in the West now with the the Lakers dealing with the injuries that they are, and they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. So big, uh, big movement there from Denver. They were around plus three thousand to win the title two weeks ago. I think I saw them at like plus eighteen hundred or plus two thousand this morning. So money's coming in, and the odds are adjusting on the Nuggets. What do you guys think about this this Rondo trade? Like. The, do the Clippers get the offensive playmaker they need, or do they get playoff Rondo? The, like the deal, the deal makes sense because they have not had a creator at the point guard position when when Beverly's on the court with a playmaker. 
This team could be absolutely unstoppable, and they already rank second in the NBA in offensive rating and should be even better with a guy who can attack the rim and feed his teammates. We know Rondo can be that guy, but he has not been that guy. Uh, I don't know. What do we expect from him? And like, you surround him with some stars and motivate him with a championship run, and maybe, maybe you get the Rondo that you're hoping for. But I don't know. What do you guys think about this Rondo trade? Well, Stephen, I, I, you know, my first instinct was, you know, he was around a bunch of stars last year, and it apparently was still, you know, the Lakers were still better with him off the court when the, than when he was on the court. And I look at this more of a as a panic move, kind of like you mentioned, Brad. I think it's more of a panic move from the Clippers, where Beverly's just been hurt uh, so much this season, and so your your their only option at point guard at that point was Reggie Jackson, who we know, you know, you, Reggie Jackson's so incredibly limited in what he can do on the court. So I think that this was like a, wow, we need to get at least, we need to get a point guard in here in case, you know, in case we find ourselves in the playoffs and, and Beverly can't go, we need someone who's going to be able to go. But I don't know. I, I Lou Williams being that rock guy off the bench, that six man of the year, the guy that when he's on the court against second units is, is one of the best guys on the court. It's gives your, gives your team such a, such an advantage. It was a head scratcher to me. I mean, you know, listen, I'm not an NBA scout. Uh, I sure there was, uh, analytical reasons they went into doing this, but uh, it was a head scratcher for me anyway. The way I looked at these Western Conference moves was was pretty simple in the fact that you see the Nuggets make a move, you see the Clippers try and make a move. I looked at that and said, these teams still believe that they are not nearly good enough to have a chance against the Lakers in the Western Conference playoffs if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy for the start of the postseason. Uh, and that's that's kind of how I'm looking at this. Um, you know, maybe they'll, you know, uh, move up or down in the seeding line, you know, as we get closer to the playoffs. But to me, in, in terms of betting and looking at maybe some Western Conference futures, I, I can't pick anybody other than the Lakers until we know the status of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. To me, when that team is healthy, when those two players are on the court, they are so far and away better than the other teams in the West that it doesn't even matter to me where the Lakers wind up seated. So, um, you know, nice moves, nice complimentary moves to try and improve a little bit for these teams. But to me, it doesn't move the needle in terms of being able to contend with a healthy Los Angeles Lakers. Now, if that winds up not being the case, then we can talk a little bit more about it. But uh, for me, until we don't know that those two are, are starting in the playoffs, then a lot of this is much to do about nothing for me. Are the Lakers a buy right now? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's uh, it, so you can get them three to one actually at BetMGM's, which is one of the one of the best prices I've seen out there. Also, the Nuggets only moved to twenty two to one at BetMGM, where they are far, far, far shorter at other places. So again, we always talk about shopping around, but uh, MGM you can still get the Nuggets at twenty two to one. They're at eighteen at DraftKings, so a uh, big difference between the two books there. So I would certainly recommend shopping. Um. You know, the Heat are at 28 over at MGM uh, again. So the the two teams that moved the most, you're still getting the best price over at MGM, over uh, over DraftKings and FanDuel. Look, with the Lakers, if I knew for sure that I was going to be in the playoff run with a healthy Anthony Davis and healthy LeBron, then yeah, it, I think they would be a buy. My problem is, is I mean, look, at the end of the day, LeBron, the ankle injury is one of those. If it is a true high ankle sprain, like they're saying, I mean, high ankle sprains linger, man. And like also they're easily reaggravated. And so that makes me pretty damn nervous. And then of course this whole deal with Anthony Davis, like not being able to, every time we, we see him shooting around and they're like, yeah, he'll be reevaluated in five days. He'll be reevaluated another week, reevaluated another week. Like I just can't, I don't know, Stephen. I, I, it's hard for me to pull the trigger at three to one with both of the guys. Like I would have done it if it was just one of the guys where there was a big uh, cloud around, you know, their availability for the long term. But with both of those guys, it's a little scary for me. I'm I'm sitting on a, a Utah Jazz uh, plus seven hundred Western Conference future from a couple of months ago, um, under the assumption that and hope that they would get the one seed and only have to face either the Lakers or the Clippers and not both of them on their road uh, to the Western Conference Finals. So um, I'm still bullish on them, especially if, 
you know, we're starting to have more and more vaccinations around the country. And I think the impact of that with NBA teams is, you know, what if the Jazz have a full crowd and a real home court advantage in the postseason, but the L.A. teams do not? You know, does that translate a little bit as well? So, um, you know, that's the team that I would take my shot on now that their odds have been cut in half from what I got them a little while ago. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I this is the first time I've seen the Lakers as the second choice in NBA Finals futures. It, you know, all year they've been the, the favorite and the Nets have just edged a, ahead of them a little bit. So um, I agree with you, Matt, that it's hard to, to buy right now, just not knowing the status to me, especially of Anthony Davis. I don't. I, I like the fact that they shut LeBron down to give that ankle time to heal. That's really the best possible thing you can do as opposed to when we see this injury um, in NFL situations where they rush him back and they're just never the same. So I like that they're shutting them down. Um, but for me, I'm sitting on that jazz futures pick and these other options, um, you know, they just aren't enticing to me until we know more about the Lakers situation. LA could be like a seven seed. <laughs> They're right. not going yeah. to win any games without these two guys. Well, with it also, when it's all said and done, I mean, like it's that's not actually crazy. And that, that kind of leads me into our, our next topic here, which is this this MVP market, which is now kind of gone all kinds of wonky. Right. Because with the injury situation that's going on with Embiid and LeBron, we have now moved where where Jokic is now the favorite to win the MVP. And you're talking about like minus 105 at BetMGM where Embiid's now plus five and a half. LeBron's plus six and a half. You're getting Giannis at seven to one. Harden at 10 to one. Luka at 12 to one over at MGM. So, uh, you know, full disclosure for me, I bought in on Giannis uh, about a week and a half ago. Well, literally, I think it was two days before LeBron injury. So it was just very fortunate for me. I got him at 15 to one for the MVP. And I want to get y'all's opinion on this, but I'm almost coming back around to where maybe Luca is a buy here on this MVP award. Because Brett, as you mentioned, like if you look at Dallas, where they sit right now, and basically any of those teams that are in that, you know, seven, eight, six, seven, eight, four, five, six, seven, eight, even depending on a little bit of a run here and there on either side, any of those teams could shuffle massively. And so we're talking about Luca, who was four to one coming into the season to win the MVP. I mean, like it was so short that you and I were talking about, there's no way you could take him at at four to one because everything is just so incredibly, you know, crazy with the COVID season. You know, we didn't know how many pauses there were going to be. We didn't know who was, who was, and wasn't going to get COVID all that, everything's like that. So we were saying, no way you can take a guy at four to one. Well, here now the Mavericks sit, they're the seventh seed. They're 23 and 19. They're only three games out of both Portland and Denver. That is the six and five. They're only, they're only five games out of the Lakers who are now without their top two stars. Like the, the Mavericks ending up at, at four or five is not out of the realm of possibility at all. And if you look at Luca's stats, he's putting up the type of stats that you would look for from an MVP. So while we were saying no on him at four to one, now that the thing is completely flipped where he's like 12, 13, 14 to one, and he's done absolutely nothing to play his way out of the conversation. I'm now kind of like, wow, uh, maybe with as wide open as the West is now, especially for those middle seeds that Luca is a buy. Yeah, if Dallas lands at a, a four or five seed, he's he's definitely going to be in the conversation. My my personal thing with Luca, he's not he's not the most efficient player with the turnovers and and, and the field goal percentage. So I I wouldn't put him in the race. I don't think he's anywhere near where Jokic is right now. But I I could totally I could see everybody everybody wants Luca to win MVP. So I could see him rounding up votes if they yeah. do make a run here. And and you know people like you're saying from an efficiency standpoint, there'll be some people that look at that, but. A lot of people just look at raw stats, right? And it's like they're going to see 28.6, 9.1 assists, and 8.3 rebounds a game, right? Like, you know, these guys going 28 and a half, 8 and a half, 9. And that is exactly what you would expect from a guy that's right in the thick of the NBA MVP conversation. And on top of that, if the team plays their way into a four or five seed, then I think he comes right back around. It was the same logic that I used whenever I got on Giannis, right? Because you look and Giannis's raw statistics 
were right where they have been, where this guy, you know, he entered it at five to one this year. So we, you and I both said fades at four and five to one, but he'd gotten up to 15 to one and his statistics were absolutely where you would expect the guy to be in the middle of the conversation, especially with a team, the Bucks, who may or may not could play their way all the way up to the one seed when this is all said and done over there in the East, at least the two seeds. So, um, interesting none nonetheless uh you know I, I don't know if i don't think Giannis is a buy at seven to one but but maybe luca at the double digits i love your your price with Giannis. i can i can definitely get behind that and you know with the, with the Doncic thing you're right uh, they gave Rus- russell westbrook mvp in 2017 we know he's not the most efficient player in the nba uh and you know Doncic's line is is right there is you know he's not averaging a triple double but he's not far off from where westbrook was in 2017 so yeah, I, I can see Luca getting votes whether they finish in the four, five, six, seven seed. Stephen, are we are we to the point now where I mean uh, we don't know how LeBron how long LeBron's going to be out, so I guess we can't say it, has he sat him his way out of the picture. Um, but Embiid is still the second shot here at five and a half. But I mean, th- been on the sideline for quite a long time here. Has he kind of sat his way out of this conversation? Like, I kind of feel like he should be longer than five and a half because at the end of the day, people are going to look at that game's played and he is going to be far, far, far below all the rest of these guys. To me, it's not just that. It's that the Sixers are thriving without him. Um, And let's be honest, when it comes to the MVP award and trying to, to find good wagers, we need to always remind ourselves that It is a subjective decision made up of votes from media members around the country. Um, So I think some media, you know, maybe not outside the Northeast because they understand how good Joel Embiid is. And they, you know, they they have seen how dominant he was when he was on the court. But to your point, Matt, the games played is an issue. And also, I think, you know, the fact that the Sixers are thriving even without him right now uh, is another knock against him. And we're talking about a price right now. Um, you know, Joel Embiid at the beginning of the year, I think was, you know, as high as 40 to one was hovering around 20 to one for a while. Um, I actually had a Joel Embiid ticket from a month and a half ago. I got at plus 425. So we're longer than that right now. Um, and with just the uncertainty of when he's going to come back and, you know, what I just mentioned with the team playing, well, that's, that's a tough spot. So, you know, you mentioned Giannis and, and, and Giannis, I, I think is an interesting situation because you are both dead right about how good he's been and he's still been fantastic this year um you know just from a a statistical standpoint it's hard to not put him in the top three of this mvp race but you know can you guys tell me the last time somebody won the mvp three years in a row in the nba either of you know (laughs) i I cannot say that i do you have to go all the way back to 1986 when Larry Bird did it. Um, you know, not even Magic Johnson won it three times in four years. Michael Jordan won it, um, let's see, three times in five years. So not even those two amazing players won three straight MVPs. You got to go all the way back to Bird in the 80s for the last three straight MVP winner. Um, I think that is a real hurdle hurdle for Giannis. Uh, we're talking about a media vote here, and I right. think that's tough. Right. It is. These are these are still people who are easily influenced, and they don't want to write down the same name three years in a row. It's and funny you bring up the. Uh, it's funny you bring up the Embiid thing and how well the Sixers are playing without him because you look at the other side of that and how bad the Lakers are without LeBron. Which just give the MVP to LeBron. He's the only reason they're in the playoff hunt right now. There's just so many different angles you can look at this. It is. It is. And that's why this is this is truly fascinating because, I mean, listen, sitting there at 10 to 1 is James Harden, who, you know, has kept this team not only afloat, but has kept this team right in its winning ways with uh, Kyrie in and out of the lineup with Durant extended absence out of the lineup. And there they sit, you know, at 30 and 15 on the season, just a couple of games out of 
of first place in the East. And so it's this is this MVP, I think, is going to be one of the more fascinating votes in quite a long time. I don't think there is a surefire guy that, you know, should have it, should win it, will win it, any of that. So that's why I think it's still a bettable market. I think usually about this time of the year, we have a guy we're kind of like, it's basically this guy or this guy. And so it's not really worth betting any of these other guys. If if we got to the end of the season and y'all told me that that Jokic, Embiid, LeBron, Giannis, Harden, Luka, hell, even Damian Lillard, if for whatever reason the 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 uh, Blazers just go on a crazy run or something like that, if you told me any of those guys won, I would I would be able to understand why they won. So I th- I think this is going to be a pretty interesting race. Yeah, the market is telling us that it's probably going to be Jokic, but I I don't know, I don't know about that. Well, we keep talking about this West. I mean, like, look, they are not there. It's not like they have a stronghold on any of these seeds. Like you're going to give it to him if they fall to the eight seed. I mean, you know, if they, I, I, I mean, let's, let's be real. It's Jokic by default right now because Embiid yeah. and LeBron got hurt. So they pump, bump him up. He's the favorite, but let's it's, it's by default at the moment. His statistics are fantastic, but I mean, the nuggets are still the five seed. Um, you know, I, I think we're still, we still should be looking at, a player from a team that's going to be one of the top three seeds in their conference. I agree. I agree. So this is going to be an awesome race. And we'll of course keep you guys up to date as these odds move. Cause these things have jumped all over the place here recently. As we head into the weekend, we are heading into the sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. My bracket toast, everyone's bracket toast with how things have gone down. We have, uh, you know, a little non-traditional this year. We normally would have been watching games as we are sitting here recording right now. Not the case. We're going to start tomorrow. uh, Four games tomorrow, four games on Sunday. Let's quickly kind of run down these and you know Stephen if you have any thoughts on any of these games uh, certainly would love to hear we have uh, Oregon State and Loyola Loyola six and a half point favorite Villanova and Baylor Baylor seven and a half point favorite Arkansas Oral Roberts Arkansas is an 11 and a half point favorite Houston is a six and a half point favorite over Syracuse uh, that's our games on Saturday do you like any of those plays yeah, there, there's two plays I like in particular. Um, the first is is Houston to cover that six. Uh, I think this should be more of a, a, a three possession spread, you know, seven, eight, nine. Um, and, you know, it's hard to quantify what Syracuse's zone means in the, in the postseason. They continue to outplay their statistics. But, you know, being a, a Syracuse alum, being around this team for a long time, the one thing I can tell you with the two, three zone that always kills them is allowing offensive rebounds. And Houston can exploit that. They are number two in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. And Syracuse is outside the top 300 in Division One in allowing offensive rebounds. You combine that with the fact that what has given Syracuse success as well in the first couple of rounds is the fact that they've gotten really hot with their shooting, especially Buddy Bayheim. Uh, but Houston is fantastic defensively, and in particular in defending the three pointer. So I like Houston to cover that. Uh, the other game I like in the, uh, in the first slate of the weekend is uh, that Villanova Baylor game. Um, the lines moved up a little bit. So I'm off of that. I liked it earlier in the week when it was more like six or six and a half for Baylor, but I still like the over in this game over 141 and a half. Uh, I, I think Baylor could score more than 80 points in this game. Um, Villanova has really struggled on the defensive end They've been the beneficiary of a, of a soft draw here in their first two games, knocking off a 12-seed Winthrop and a 13-seed North Texas. But they rank 141st in defensive efficiency. And if you look at the other teams who have in this tournament who have been a top-10 offense but rank that low in defensive efficiency, we're talking about some high seeds who have already been eliminated, Iowa, Ohio State, and West Virginia. So now Villanova gets a real opponent here in Baylor one of the best offenses in the country, maybe second to Gonzaga. I see a lot of points in this game. Um, so I, I would lean Baylor to cover, but I, I really like that over 141 and a half. I think that should be closer to the uh, the high 40s, closer to 150. Yeah, I look at, uh, you know, the the really hot team here, obviously, is Loyola Chicago. And uh, this is a six and a half point spread. I don't know if I like so much the spread. And it's crazy that I'm t- going to say this for a 125 and a half total. But 
I almost lean to the under in that game. There's going to be limited possessions. Both these teams play super slow. I, I, it's crazy to say I like an under and a 125 and a half, which is by far the lowest total of any of the games that we have left. But uh, I kind of lean towards the under there. No, I, I would lean towards the under there as well. I mean, you're talking about two teams that rank near the bottom of Division One in pace. Uh, we're talking about an Oregon State team who's probably played the best defense of any team in this tournament. Uh, that's the real question in this game, right? Can they continue that defense? Um, you know, they have held two quality opponents in a, a, a five seed in Tennessee and a four seed in Oklahoma State uh, to less than 34% from the field and 30% from three. So uh, if they can continue that, then there's no reason why you they can you can hit the under in this when you couple it with the fact that both teams play a very slow pace. So uh, Loyola Chicago is a, a pretty efficient offensive team. They're they're top 40 in that area, but uh, they're the best defensive efficiency team as well. So that helps your under argument to go along with uh, everything else we mentioned. Brett, how's your bracket looking? It's toast. <laughs> I mean, I have I, that good, huh? I have I have several. Uh, I mean, I still have, you know, I have Houston beating Gonzaga in one. I've got Baylor beating Gonzaga in one. But it's, I mean, outside of the, those championships, my final fours are just complete dust. So uh, <laughs> I, I listen, I know next, I do not follow college basketball, especially this year. I, I'm amazed they finished the season. So I didn't want to get too invested in it with, with yeah. the, you know, with the, the I concern totally that they weren't going to finish the season. Same reason I had the same thing with college football this year too. I just wasn't paying attention because I didn't, I wasn't sure that we we're going to finish the season. Uh, but so I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I just kind of click some buttons, filling out a brackets and uh, it has not gone all that well. No, I, I totally understand. I was, especially college football this past year. I typically do, you know, 80 plus hours of, of research before the season started. And I was like, not going to do that this year when I didn't think the season was going to, to even happen as we head into Sunday, we have Creighton and Gonzaga. The Zags are 13 point favorites with 157 and a half. The total Michigan and Florida State, Michigan, two and a half point favorites, 143 and a half. Your total Alabama, seven point favorite over UCLA. This is ticked up. They were six and a half, uh, 147, 146, your total there. And USC, two point favorites over Oregon, 138. The total, uh, Stephen Gonzaga and Creighton. It is the biggest spread between a one and a four or five. So anytime a one or a four and five is met, this is the biggest uh, spread since 2005 in the Sweet 16. Um, listen, I think the Zags are really good chalk. I was, I I did the chalkiest brackets you could possibly do. I had the Zags winning every single one that I did. And I look at this number and while I'm going to pass, I can tell you, I would not bet against them covering the 13. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was, we can make arguments two and four this large spread, but I can tell you right now, not betting on Creighton to cover. <laughs> not going to do it. Not against Gonzaga. I mean, that's that's not the world I want to live in where I'm, you know, rooting for an outlier performance from an undefeated team with the best offensive efficiency in the country. So uh, I'm with you on that. I mean, for, for Creighton to, to keep this close, I mean, we're talking about a team that is outside the top 300 in free throw shooting. Uh, they also don't force a lot of turnovers on defense. They rank outside the top 200 there. So, you know, where is the path to keeping this close? So you're, you're basically just hoping that Gonzaga has an off night. And that, that's not something that I want to do with my money. Yeah, so at least these other three games we can have some opinions on. Michigan, two and a half point favorites over Florida State. Bama, seven over UCLA and USC two over Oregon, you know, a lot of guys, I talked to some pretty sharp college basketball guys throughout the course of the week was talking to a couple of different guys from three man. We've talked to a couple of guys from ESPN as well. And they are all very high on Alabama saying if there is, if there is one team out there that could potentially possibly maybe ever beat a Gonzaga team, if they were just rolling from the three point line that it could be Alabama. Um, any thoughts on any of these other three games? And do you have any tickets in your account? Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I'm sitting on a 90 to one Alabama futures right now. Uh, so, so 
optimistic about them coming into the tournament. Uh, I liked their draw and the fact that they were in the Michigan region. I thought, you know, hindsight's 2020 because Illinois already lost, but I still think Michigan is uh, vulnerable as a one seed. Uh, we're, we're talking about an Alabama team that's that's top 30 in offensive efficiency and, and third in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency, very well-rounded team. Um, you know, I I think this UCLA game could be a little closer than, than the experts think, so to speak. Um, you know, I, six and a half is a little high for me. Um, I would I would lean UCLA if it gets the three possession. If it's seven or higher, I would lean UCLA to cover that spread. But in terms of just advancing in futures, I, I like Alabama. Um, I'm sitting on a 60 to one Loyola Chicago ticket. And, you know, I just wrote this up on the lines.com the other day. Um, if I'm looking right now for a college basketball future, I am completely tossing any team that's on the left side of the bracket because that's how much respect I have for Gonzaga. So I'm looking for a team that could potentially get to the final game on the right side of the bracket. And Loyola Chicago is one. I think they have a pretty easy path to get to the final four. Um, you know, it's they have a 12 seed in Oregon State. And if they get by them, then, you know, worst case scenario, they play a, a two seed Houston that's already struggled against a 10 seed in Rutgers. And who knows, it might still be Syracuse. We'll see. I, I don't think that they will win that game. I think Houston will cover. But, um, you know, even if it is Houston, they've already struggled against Rutgers. So um, the other long shot I would take right now is Arkansas. I'm also sitting on a 90 to one ticket for them. I like them coming in. The curveball here is that Baylor is is looking like pre-COVID Baylor, right? So they would potentially face them in the Elite Eight, and that's a, that's a tough matchup. But um, you know, with the pace that they play, and you know, they're a pretty good. They're a better defensive team than Baylor, I will say that. Uh, so you know, they have a puncher's chance there in a one-game elimination format. So that's what I'm sitting on with my futures tickets, but. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think of the Florida State Michigan game. You know, I, I've seen a lot of love for Florida State uh, this week. I, I think I'm with them on that. I think this might be the spot where Isaiah Livers being out for Michigan comes back to bite them. Yeah, I actually think if I'm going to play that one, I'm probably just going to play. I think I'm just going to play the money line. Like, I don't think I'm even yeah. worrying about the two and a half. Like, I, I think if I play that one, I'm just going to play the money line on Florida State. And I'm with you. I think this could be a spot where it finally does catch up with them and they finally uh, find themselves in trouble. So I actually might end up with a small play there just on the money line, not a ton, but I think it's, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's worth the points. I think they either just win the game outright because they're the better team or, or they just, you know, or they just lose because they're not, I I don't see the spread coming into play. Yeah. Two things for me that is going to make this a bet for me on Florida state. And I, I like your uh, your thinking getting the plus money on the money line there. Um, you know, the, the big knock on Florida State has been that they turn the ball over a lot. And, you know, that is fair. They, they rank outside the top 250 in turnover percentage. But Michigan isn't built to take advantage of that. Um, they have issues enforcing uh, turnovers on defense. They rank 336th in opponent turnovers per offensive play. So, um, if, if that's not going to be a potential issue for Florida State and you combine the fact that Michigan's three-point shooting is without their leading three-point shooter in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Livers, then you know I think the, this is ripe for an upset for Florida State. It will be. It is certainly going to be fun, regardless. Here, taking a look at at these games. I mean, there's should be some pretty good matchups. And again, if you if you love the Zags like I do, you can still get them plus one fifty to win the whole thing. So you're still getting a little bit of plus money if you want to take them at uh, to win the championship and cut down the nets. And I I kind of think that they will. I think I think Matt wants to see Alabama win another championship. Just, yeah, give, yeah, just give Alabama every championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, for Alabama <laughs> to win. I do have them in the Final Four. I, w- I will admit that. Uh, baseball, right around the corner here, guys. And, you know, this is something I'm super excited about to finally get a, a, a real baseball season in here because, you know, the truncated season last year, we didn't really see a ton of 
of things that out of these guys that we can really translate to this year. Anyway, for me, I, I'm I'm not taking a bad season from a player or a particularly good season from a player last year and really carrying it over to this year. Now it's in the back of my mind. If there's some sort of something that, you know, I'll dig into a little bit further as to maybe why they had some sort of outlier season one way or the other, but I'm not really carrying that over. Uh, all that much. The win total market is pretty interesting here. Whenever we take a look, our friends over at MGM have all of the uh, have all the win totals posted over there for all the teams. If you guys want to go in and and take a look, but uh, Stephen, I know that you said you had a couple that you were kind of eyeballing here as far as what has been posted, what you like as far as the the season win total here, and you even have a you know some some data to back it up here from a couple of the projection systems. Yeah, I mean, what I like to do around this time of year is kind of just, you know, take a look at Pakoda, take a look at Fangraphs and their projections and see if there's any um, large disparities from the win totals that the market is offering us. And, you know, while most of the overs were pretty close, I didn't see any any plays I like when looking at overs. There were three teams whose win total at BetMGM is at least four games off from both Pakoda and Fangraphs projections, if that makes sense. And those teams are the White Sox, who have really dropped in their projections because of the loss of Aloy Jimenez for five to six months with that ruptured pack. Um, they're sitting at 90 and a half wins. Um, and both Pakoda and Fangraphs have the White Sox um, at least six and a half games below that now. Uh Pakoda has them 10 games below that win total. Uh, so that that's clearly that Jimenez injury is clearly affecting it. Uh, the Cardinals at 86 and a half wins. Um, Fangraphs only has them at 79 wins. Pakoda only has them at 78 wins. That's a big difference. So I like the under 86 there, uh, the under 86 and a half, I should say. And lastly, the Oakland Athletics win total of 87 and a half. But at Pakoda and Fangraphs, the Athletics are sitting at 82 and a half and 83, respectively. So um, it's a pretty sizable difference from what the market is offering us there on the underside. Yeah, I already have an under ticket. So um, just to be full transparency, I already have an under ticket on Oakland. I think that is I think they are massively, massively overvalued here. Now, it's, it might be because also I'm bullish just on other teams within that division as well. Like I am much, much higher on Houston than, um, you know, basically I think than a lot of people are. And I think that Houston, yes, I understand Springer is out, but when you, you know, you look at, when you look at what they're getting back, I don't think that it's that big of a drop off here. So for me, I'm actually bullish on Houston and I have the over on Houston win totals and I have the under on Oakland, which is at least a little bit correlated in there as well. Brett, is there any of these win totals that really stuck out to you as far as being off or anything that you just have kind of a lean towards because you just don't like or do like these teams more? Yeah, I'm a Steven on the White Sox. And my rule going into the year is to fade the public steam. And that is the White Sox this year. I mean, they were popular going into last season, too, but there was still some skepticism from baseball people that maybe they were still a year away while they're piling now. I mean, everybody loves the Chicago White Sox this year. I, I'm I'm with Stephen on that under. I, I like to get in early on some of these young up-and-coming teams who have the elite farm system that people aren't really paying attention to. I don't think any of these teams are going to be playoff contenders, but I certainly think they could hit their overs. And that's that's the Detroit Detroit Tigers who have been just miserable and have that stink on them, have had that stink mm-hmm. on them for a long time. Uh, their win total was I, 69 and a half. I like the over 69 and a half. And the Seattle Mariners, too. Really, really good crew of hitters coming up. If they get uh, if they get called up or stay up uh, early in the season, I, I can see them being dangerous as well. Uh, for their over anyway, I've got them over 72 and a half wins, just two teams that I think uh, could start to show off some of their young talent and, and surprise some people this year. Yeah. And uh, look, I understand that they are, it's very, very low to begin with at only 63 and a half on the Rockies, but 
they are not going to try <laughs> at all. Like they, uh, I mean, like Trevor Story is going to be gone as well. So like everybody with a pulse is going to be out of that lineup. So like, again, I know it's, I know it's low, but it, it would not shock me if these, if they're, if they win in the fifties uh, this year. So 63 and a half is uh, something that I have a small under ticket on as well, because I just, uh, you know, you can tell these teams that are pre punting the season, they are pre punting the season here. And with stories contract and everything that's going on with him, it's, he's going to be gone as well. So uh, I'll take the under on the Rockies. They're going to be an absolute disaster. So, yeah. yeah. One team I've, I've seen kind of, uh, you know, getting some attention on Twitter guys. And I want to see what your opinion is of this. The Miami Marlins on 162 game pace last year would have won 83 or 84 games. And they're sitting at a win total of 70 and a half. And let's also remember last year, that schedule was only against the NL East, which is one of the deepest divisions in baseball and the AL East. So do we think that 70 and a half is appropriate or do we maybe think that's a little bit low and, um, you know, progression or regression for the Marlins after making the playoffs? I feel like they greatly exceeded everything last year. So I kind of lean towards regression, especially considering that I feel like the Mets got exponentially better. I feel like Washington got better. I feel like Atlanta was really, really good anyway. And then, you know, Philadelphia, I think is still just a a better team overall. Um, So I think that some of those wins they were getting, some of those things kind of come back down to earth brett i mean this was one of the teams that we we talked about a lot last year as we were you know trying to make kind of any sense of what was going on in the season and you know i just think it was a short i just think it was a short sample size kind of heater for a team that probably would have cooled off if we were playing a full season anyway and now that we are especially with those teams that they're going to play the most games against being as good as they are i i, I think they come back down to earth yeah absolutely they 100 percent overperformed Last year, and they did that despite starting the season with half the team getting COVID. I don't. It was such a weird season for them last year. They would be one of the teams I'd be eyeing coming into the issue this year if they didn't make the playoffs last year in that mm-hmm. weird, you know, the small sample season. They they took advantage of the short season last year. They would not have made the playoffs last year if it wasn't a sixty game season. So I think that's a that it not a fade, but it, definitely not a team I'm going to be taking any overs on this year. Here's one more question I have for you guys. Uh, so obviously right now when we're looking at, you know, division futures or, you know, will a team make the playoffs, those type of props right now, as we are taping this, they're going back to five playoff teams in, in each league. Now that is fluid. It's possible that they could go back to the expanded playoffs. So you know, do you see, you know, A, will those tickets even still stand at the odds that you lock them in right now? Uh, and B, do you see any playoff futures or division futures that uh, interest you? And, th- and is it safe to assume that we're going to stay at the five playoff teams per league? I don't know. Yeah, I know. Right? that's the weirdest. That's the weirdest thing to me. Um if I were to take any sort of gamble, I would probably be taking a gamble in the NL Central in a division that I think is just a complete disaster, basically. Like, no team sticks yeah. out. No nobody better than the other. No team, you know, other than the, the Pirates being just completely worthless. But, hey, look, I mean, against a, I'm not high on any of those teams. So, who knows? Maybe maybe Pittsburgh does something crazy and actually comes out and uh, – and, and surprises some people. So I think if I was taking a flyer, I would take a flyer on an NL Central team uh, running like the wind from anyone in the West outside of the the Dodgers and the Padres. And then in the in the East, uh, you know, that's the that's the other one where would it shock me if somebody came to me and said that the Nationals won that division? Not in the least bit. Would it shock me if if like the Phillies just went on an incredible heater and and figured some stuff out and maybe got some pitching a little bit and were able to to, to win the division? That that wouldn't shock me either. So uh, maybe I would take my kind of my darts there, Brett. I mean, I know I'm I'm talking about the Phillies in a positive light here, so you probably are upset at me. <laughs> are they ever going to be good again? I mean, what is this? They said they, all they do is they spend money and it's just there's never. They just never get there. It's 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 frustrating. I'm becoming I mean, a blue think, jet. 
I think their price is fair at uh, at plus two eighty to make the playoffs right now at BetMGM. I mean, that implies a twenty six percent chance. Um, you know, I think outside the Padres for the first wild card spot, I think that second wild card spot is wide open, especially Definitely. with what Matt said about the NL Central. Definitely. So yeah, I think that's, that's a fair price. Yeah, that's about it for me. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about about the the rest of those. But what do we think about some of these player futures? I mean, these are some of the things that I think people can if you if you are one willing to to lock money up for a long time, which I know a lot of people are not, and then two, if you're willing to really kind of take some risk in all these. I think these are some of the things that if you are you know not risk averse, that you can basically take advantage of like so let's talk about these home like the home run prop like most home runs of course the chalk trout alonzo acuna uh, those coming in at 11 11 and 12 over on bet mgm soto at 14 gallo at 16 bellinger at 16 but then you get to like stanton at 16 and you get to judge at 20 who both of these guys obviously the injury history is baked into these numbers but you know I'm I'm a gambler, right? And Brett, I I look at it like this. I mean, what if I do get one of these like 152, 153 game seasons out of Stanton or Judge? I mean, they would they would easily be right there with Trout and Alonzo and Acuna if if it wasn't for all the health concerns or something. So, if you're willing to assume some risk, which you know we can't just assume that people are going to get injured. Uh, I kind of like both of those guys holding the tickets for, for home runs, especially at 16 and 20 to one. I like you am very risk averse and I, it still makes me cringe to click <laughs> on a John Carlos or, a, you know, a Stanton. I, I would love to, I mean, look, you're right. If he plays 150 games, he's going to be there. There's no yeah. question, but he's just the, the track record lately. It, it's hard. It's really hard for me to see him playing that many games. So I would probably I would probably just avoid him at that price. Yeah, no, I and that's fair. Again, like that's completely fair. Uh, But I just think that these numbers would be more in line with some of these other guys if it wasn't for the injury factor. Steven, whenever we take a look at some of these other guys, Jordan Alvarez, 20 to one. Of course, he's coming back off of injury. People maybe forgotten about how good he was and, and is and what kind of prospect he is as well. You get old man Nelson Cruz, who all he does is just stay in there and hit home runs every single year. He's at 20 to one. Are there any of these longer shot guys that you think like, OK, given their scenario, given what's going on, maybe, maybe they could they could lead the league in home runs? You know, admittedly, guys, this area is not my wheelhouse. Um, I, I do agree with you if, you know, going for a long shot, if they can stay healthy and trying to extrapolate out if they play more games like that. I, you know, I've, I've had success uh, using that strategy in other sports. Um, but, you know, I, I would be hesitant to to suggest one of these long shots because admittedly, this is not my wheelhouse. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm in that group that doesn't like to really – tie up a ton of money in individual performance in a sport uh, so variant as baseball. Um, if I'm going to take just, just me personally, if I'm going to take my shots, it's going to be with, with teams. I think those are a little bit easier to project than, than individual seasons. Brad, I'll tie my money up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm betting, I'm betting Vlad. I was about to say, I know where you're going with this. I was just about to say, you stole it from me. I was like, I was like, Brett, tell me how many tickets you're going to have on Vlad at 50 to one. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. I'm going to be so invested in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year. And it's probably, you know what? It's I'm not the only one. And you know, I probably, I'm probably getting in too late because he's, I mean, he's what, he's 50 to one to lead the league in home runs. Probably could have got a better price a couple months ago, but this kid is raking right now. And we're seeing all the hype that was on that this was one of the better prospects we've seen come in yeah in a long time and now he's only 22 years old we're seeing it i'm so excited to watch this kid play i think the only other market here and and you know it is certainly not a sexy pick and is certainly not a sexy ticket to hold but again we just like money the most stolen bases you can get Mondesi at minus 125 and unless he gets injured and of course that's with every single futures bet we ever make and that's doesn't matter if it's a team bet or not I mean if a quarterback goes down that team most likely is in, is in trouble et cetera, et cetera. but he is going to lead the league in stolen bases injury you know so long as he does not get injured so minus 125 again I like 
what I consider to be free money. So I am uh, I am already invested in Mondesi leading the league in, in stolen bases. And if he gets injured, he gets injured. Bad luck for me. And and that sucks. But um, th- that would be the only way he does not lead the league in stolen bases. Brett, come on, get involved. You know you want this now. I was, I was just looking up who the stolen base leaders were the last two years. I honestly don't I don't really pay attention to stolen bases, I guess, because I'm looking at this list. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I guess that makes sense that he's minus money because none of these guys. I mean, what what did Acuna steal? Oh, is he over forty. Oh, listen, it is it, it is. So Mondesi last year, in in again in fifty in fifty nine games he stole twenty four bases. Like he stole twenty four and fifty nine. Like it, it's the guy just runs every single time he gets on base, and so you know we're he's going to lead the league if he doesn't get hurt, but you know, he might get hurt. So that's one of the things that we've got to uh, assume whenever we're, we're making these type of futures bets. 37 stolen bases for Acuna in 2019. Well, I can't see him doing that again. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. A lot of these guys, like we have to start wondering as the, as the analytics guys start chirping in people's ears, like, are they going to continue to run? Because right. like, obviously a guy like Acuna, like, he's much more valuable just hitting home runs than, than he is running and, and taking the risk on getting his, his finger broken or and things like that. Like, I mean, that's why people are, it, we don't, we're not going to talk fantasy here, but I mean, that's the reason people are, you know, off of trout, like as the number one overall pick this year, he might fall to four or five because, you know, he's not going to run and, and rightfully so he shouldn't run, you know? And so I, I start to wonder about some of these other guys as far as, as far as them running too. I will say I, I do have a Cy Young long shot. If you guys want to hear it, oh, that that's we do. In. So, what do you think about Kenta Maeda at twenty to one in the American League? Um, finished third in WAR last year with the Twins, uh, and I, I say that because you know, kind of like what we mentioned with the NBA MVP, you got to always remember that this is a subjective process, and you, we're talking about writers voting on these awards. But the, the writers have gotten a little bit more analytic over the past decade when they're voting on this. Nine of the past 10 Cy Young winners have finished in the top three in war in their league. So Maeda, third in war last year with the Twins. Um, so that coincided with him not throwing as many fastballs, a lot more off speed, struck out more batters, he walked fewer batters. Uh, and even more importantly, when you're talking about Cy Young candidates, he's pitching deeper into games now than he was in Los Angeles. Again, small sample size in a shortened season a year ago, but right. he was averaging more than six innings per start a year ago. And if he's able to do that over a full season, we're talking about a 180-inning pitcher, more than 210 strikeouts. Um, you know, he had a whip of – you know, this is not going to be repeatable in a, in a, if he starts 30 games, but, you know, a whip of 0.74 a year ago. So um, 20 to one. Yeah, might be worth I, it. I mean, I look at it this way. I'm never betting Cole or Bieber at three and a half to one. You know, I'm never betting them at that number. Um, right. You're not going to get me betting Kluber uh, coming off of, you know, we hadn't seen reg- real Kluber in three years at 20 to one. So when you start to get into those numbers, yeah, I mean, like, like, like Maeda at 20 to one starts to get really, really appealing. Now the thing with Giolito, uh, we, we haven't seen a full season of Giolito doing what Giolito did. So, I mean, we can't, you know, at five to one, I just don't think that price is indicative of, of the body of work that we've gotten from him either. So you, you start to go like, okay, I'm not betting Cole and Bieber at that short number right there. I'm not betting Giolito. I haven't seen him get there with, with, uh, you know, an entire season of that. So now you start getting into these numbers anyway, and you do have Maeda who does have a track record and did get, you know, it, at least somewhat exponentially better over the course of a short, short span. He's not sexy either. Nobody's betting Kenta Maeda to win Cy Young. So you're going to get absolutely not. You're going to get a good price on him. And then, you know, Matt and I talked about this market last month and we were trying to find where the value is. And maybe it is Maeda. We, I think we just completely overlooked him because he's not that sexy pitcher, but he gets the job done. So maybe Maeda is the value in this market. Yeah. Or Otani at forty to one because he's he's out there throwing ninety nine again and like just just filthy as all get out on the mound like it's just ridiculous. On the on the National League side, guys, I, I'm having a hard time. You know, 
I, I hear what you said, Matt, about the favorites in the American League, but I'm having a hard time taking a, a long shot when when Degrom oh. was just incredible yeah. again. Yeah. Oh, it, the guy is like, take my money. Like Brett said, we like I said we talked about this about a month ago, and I was just like, D- take my money on Degrom. It just just he can have it. Take my money. I don't care. The guy's getting older and throwing harder. Like he he is like <laughs> aver- like he's throwing harder as he continues to get older. It's just he is so 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 nasty. And then now. The Mets are actually going to be good, so we don't have to worry about this whole deal about him not getting wins now. Like, like all, the one knock against him before, which finally the voters realize like isn't his fault that he's not getting wins. But now that argument is even going to be out of the question because they're actually going to win games as well. So it's like, show me a weakness, show me a reason to not like Jacob Degrom. It pains me to say it, but he might actually be the value in this in this NL market. Right. I know, even at this price, he's so I know. good. I know. I mean. I- I- I, what's crazy to me, like I want, just made me made my jaw drop. You know, he won not last year, but the previous two years, he won the Cy Young. He was averaging eleven strikeouts per nine innings. He was averaging thirteen point eight strikeouts per nine innings last year, right. and you know, he was just unstoppable until he had that hamstring injury. ERA crept up from one point six seven to. You know, two point three eight. I mean, what what happened to him, guys? He was so bad with that two point three eight ERA. But I mean, one point six seven ERA up until his last three starts of the season, with even more strikeouts than he had when he won the Cy Young two previous times. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah, it, it really is. I would, I'd be on, uh, I'd be on him, and you know what? I might go ahead and just go ahead and, and get on him and lock just it in. Ha- man. Yeah, yeah, just lock it up, have it, have it sitting in there, and uh, and feel pretty good about all of that. But we're going to continue to talk baseball markets in the in uh, next week as well as we lead into opening day. Tons of different ways you can get involved before the season gets going, and of course, we're going to keep you up to date as the season rolls on. As well, we will review all of the action going on in the NCAA tournament and we'll continue to look into the, we're getting about that time where more and more draft props, more and more draft offerings are going to be available. I know they start rolling those out about the first week of April. It'll start getting a little bit more the more that we get closer to the to the draft. And so we'll be breaking those down and. These are some of the ones that you do have to move on rapidly and you do have to move on swiftly because information drives how those markets go and information. The more information that comes out, the less that you're going to get paid on these things. So we'll try and tip you off on some of these draft things as soon as we possibly can, because these are the most volatile Um, one. You can make money on them for sure, but they are very, very volatile as information comes out and you don't get near as good a price Uh, guys as always we are on apple google spotify and stitcher so please go in subscribe rate and review we really do appreciate that help us climb up the charts more people can find this here podcast you can follow us on the twitter machine if you want at brett colson at steven andrus one and if you want to follow me at matt brown m2 for steven for brett i'm matt talk to you guys next week